With winter coming, and all the health issues it brings, now's the time to make sure your immune system is as strong as it can be and to build your natural immunity. It's time to empower your immune system. Empower supercharges your immunity because it's made from AHCC, one of the most powerful mushroom extracts to ever come out of Japan. It's been shown to enhance your immune protection by over 300%, and it has the robust research to prove it. Empower is my first go-to when it comes to immune support. I personally take it daily and prescribe it to my patients in need of immune support. And who doesn't these days? If you're looking for a way to supercharge your immune system protection and build your natural immunity, Empower is the solution for you. For more information and order, go to theharmonycompany.com. That's theharmonycompany.com. Or call 800-422-5518. 800-422-5518. Use coupon code HOFFMAN20 at checkout and get a 20% first-time discount and free shipping. That's theharmonycompany.com for Empower. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's my favorite time of the week because I get to sit down with my good colleague, Layla Mutin, and field interesting questions that come from you. Questions can come to questions at drhoffman.net. It's an opportunity for you to share you know, an experience uh, or an opinion, uh, or more likely to uh, offer us a question in the realm of intelligent medicine. We never know what you're going to hear, so uh, there's a lot of diversity, and I think today's questions reflect that. How are you doing, Layla? Okay, Dr. Hoffman, how are you? Very well, thank you. And uh, it's that time of the year where, I guess it's a little past peak in some parts of the world, but uh, Central Park is still very pretty. Mm. And one of my favorite types times of the year, because it's kind of cool. Foliage. And foliage. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a little urgency because there's a lot of things to do. And then, uh, you know, yeah. looming is Thanksgiving. And then we're up to Gearing up for all that. Yep. Already they got the Christmas decorations up in here. Yes. Even yeah. in my neighborhood, the, the Christmas decorations went up yesterday, okay. as a matter of fact, while we were out and about. So, okay. Yeah. Well, do we really need that? <laughs> it's not even... They're pretty. It's... <laughs> It's, it's not even Black Friday yet, and we're already it's in like pretty, a frenzy about yeah, buying stuff. Yeah, 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 Black Friday. Okay, so um, we will get to questions momentarily. Uh, for this week and next week in our newsletter, by the way, if you haven't yet subscribed, go to drhoffman.com, and you can subscribe to our newsletter, and you'll get it in your inbox every week. Usually it drops on a Wednesday morning, and this week's newsletter uh, has to do with my least favorite things. Mm. You know, these are a few of my least favorite things. Right. That was yes. a little out of tune, but so Julie Andrews. Yeah, <laughs> um, and so I I had so many of them that I had to, I had to make it a two parter. Yeah, and it might end up being a three parter. I was just going to say, like, there's a lot to not like out there's there. There's a lot to not advertised. like, but we try to restrict it to the field of intelligent medicine, you know, make it health-related. And uh, this week, uh, I weighed in on a bunch of them. And, you uh, know, it's a, it's it's an opportune time because the holidays are upon us, and there are all these influencers yes. that you talk about. And you have to be careful how you consume your information, everybody. You know, not just from the person who gets the most views, who gets 
150 million views. Mm -hmm. So does the the you know so does the 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 so do the people who do things that you shouldn't you shouldn't take advice from people who aren't credentialed who aren't qualified to give advice. Yeah, and you know I think there's kind of an inversion because some of the people who are least knowledgeable mm -hmm. uh, have the most traction in terms of shaping public opinion, and there's this new yeah. profession. I never envisioned this profession. You know, when I started working, because uh, when I was like 20 and I was saying, you know, what, sh what, sh what shall I be in life? Mm -hmm. There was no such profession as influencer. Yeah. But a lot of young people, the Gen Z folks, the Zoomers, they aspire to be influencers. Yeah. And they spend a lot of time preening in front of uh, their phones, you know, doing wacky things on right, TikTok. Right, getting those lamps. And the more uh -huh. likes you get or the more views you get, uh, the more you can monetize it. You can. And it's... it's For some people, it's their living. It's very interesting. And so, uh, Kim Kardashian is a prime example of that. Yeah. Uh, Kim has, in my opinion, and the opinion of a lot of people, that she doesn't have any specific talents mm -hmm. other than uh, she looks good mm -hmm. and she knows how to make herself up and mm -hmm. get good plastic surgery. And... She's become an influencer. Yeah. And it's interesting. Uh, she has made a lucrative career as an influencer. She has over 329 million followers on Instagram alone. Those reality shows, they really took off, you know. And for each, uh, each of her uh, Instagram posts mm -hmm. behind this or that or the other product, uh, she is estimated to make between... Six hundred nineteen thousand to one million dollars for each post. Oh wow! Because you know it's all about the numbers, and she's yeah. got the numbers. So if it's like, hey, you know, if it's about like a lipstick or something like that, you know, we're part of you. Fine, you know, if you'd like people want to emulate you and look like you, fine. Uh, but now she's cut a deal with something called Prenuvo, and this is not new. Prenuvo mm -hmm. does it's a it's a startup that does and. They've got a lot of private equity, venture capital, uh, to do like this big campaign to get everyone to screen with a whole body MRI. Yeah. So what that's going to do is it's going to show every nook and cranny of your body mm -hmm. and every potential abnormality that might be there. Which sounds reasonable because mm -hmm. if those scans were perfect, uh, we would all want to get them. Sure. And it would, it would lead to early diagnosis of cancer. The problem with that early diagnosis of cancer is that uh, early diagnosis of certain cancers doesn't make a difference. Why? Mm -hmm. Because either you're going to die anyway of the cancer because it's so aggressive. There's some cancers like that. Or, I mean, present time, maybe in the future we will be able to conquer those cancers. Yeah. Um, or, alternatively, it won't make a difference. You'll The cancer that they discover will either be handled by your immune system yes. and kept in check or even or go in away. Regress. We know that that happens to some extent, but you know, like mm -hmm. you can't just leave the cancer alone. Once you've discovered a cancer, you've got to be proactive. You have proactive. to do something about uh, yeah. We're discovering that in prostate cancer, a program of watchful waiting can be a good way to deal with a definite diagnosis of cancer. Yeah. So the other possibility with the cancers they discover is that the cancer they discover will kill you at the age of 152. Yeah. Right? So... so so it's not going to so be... So go the, live your life. Yeah. So go. So I remember, and this is going to be like 25 years ago, one of these companies wanted 
uh, to become a sponsor of my show. Mm -hmm. And then I was working for the radio station. So I was under certain pressure to accept sponsors because mm -hmm. it was like, you know, on radio, it's not about your ratings so much. It's about how much you earn from the station. So if you have a lot of sponsors, I see. Um, yeah. you could have not the highest ratings, but a very profitable show. So, But I, I turned down things because I just didn't, I thought they were a disservice to the public. And they said, Dr. Hoffman, we'll give you a free whole body MRI. I said, I don't want it. Yeah. I don't want it because yeah. there's what we call incidentalomas, which are incidental findings. Like there's this little thing here and it's like a calcification, which probably is normal. Or you have a, like a, a little cyst in your liver or in your kidney. And we see that so often, and but it might be something. So we're going to have to re do more tests. Mm -hmm. We have to repeat like the MRI every six months, or we have to do a special, you know, yeah. probe or scan or do a biopsy or something like that. Sometimes that discovers something that's actionable and will save your life. Mm -hmm. That's rare. Often it will just con you know worry you and cause more medical expenses and lead True. to diagnostic tests which are not harmless. Yeah, more radiation. Uh, more potential for problems. Overtreatment. Overtreatment. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so of, of interest is uh, just this week. Uh, actually, no, it was actually a couple of months ago because this is a study that I just found, but it was it it was done this summer. And let's see if I can pull it up. Yeah, testing whether cancer screening saves lives. Um, so. Mm -hmm. This is, now there's a new era of cancer screening. There are various ways to screen for cancer. You can get imaging. Yeah. Uh, or you can get like the um, test for colon cancer, which colonoscopy. is. Colonoscopy. Which is colonoscopy. Or you can also do the uh, test, which is the stool test now, mm -hmm. uh, which is being marketed. Cologuard. Also. Cologuard, but yeah. But that, that's so iffy, the Cologuard test. It's not perfect. It's not way, perfect, so yeah. So the problem is none of these tests are perfect. Mm -hmm. They have... Either, okay, a test that finds all cancers yeah. of necessity would find a lot of things that aren't cancer. It was it is so sensitive that it finds everything. A and test, that's the danger. Right. And a test that is specific. In other words, you know that when they find something, it's cancer. Yeah. It's cancer. That's the test you want. No. Oh. You know why? Why? Because if it's so stringent uh -huh. that it only finds the things that are 100% cancer, it's going to miss some cancers. Oh. You see, the specificity I see. is very... So there's, okay. so you, there's every test like that is a compromise between sensitivity and specificity. Yes. Want, not too, it's Goldilocks. Not too sensitive, not too specific. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we're getting there with some blood tests. Mm -hmm. This is the new thing. And patients are asking for it. Uh, some people are suggesting it. Yeah. Uh, gallery you, test. You encountered a patient the other day who was doing the gallery test. Yes. There's also the grail test. Mm -hmm. That's a little immodest to call your test the grail, grail. test. It's the holy grail, right? <laughs> right. But there's a lot of money behind these things. Oh, yes. A lot of investment. Because so being pushed. those companies are really skyrocketing in terms mm -hmm. of uh, their stock prices or their investors. Yeah. Um, the value of the companies. Because it's, it is the coming thing. Yeah. Uh, but you know, as we even know with cholesterol, <coughs> cholesterol is not fate. Mm -hmm. Some people with high cholesterol don't get heart disease. True. And some true. people who have low cholesterol get a heart attack. That's true. So it's not about the correct. There is so no. It's different for everybody. There is no perfect test. Mm -hmm. That's in the nature of testing. Mm -hmm. um, but um, so what they say here in this article, this is an interesting article, which is by a guy who I've interviewed on the on the program. His name is. Um, 
uh, uh, Gilbert Welch. Mm-hmm. And he's written a book called Overdiagnosis. And he's well-respected. He's an academic guy. And what he's saying, this article is entitled, Testing Whether Cancer Screening Saves Lives. Okay. Well, how could cancer screening not save lives? Mm. What he's saying is there's a couple of problems with cancer screening. Is one, uh, you know, why screening might not save lives. He writes, there are two potential biological explanations. Uh, one is that uh, deaths associated with screening may not be attributed to cancer specific mortality, but instead to, to other causes. In other words, you know, you might die of something else. So yeah. you said you took the screen and, you know, died of something else. Uh, the other is that uh, having cancer might be a marker. It's a similar thing, but he calls it uh, the SOMA hypothesis, mm-hmm. is that if you develop an aggressive cancer, it may be an indication that you're on your way out anyway, that you have generalized biologic frailty. Yeah. Now, I can think of a lot of exceptions of relatively healthy young people who tragically die young of an aggressive cancer. That yeah. is true. That can yeah. happen. But, you know, would they be screened routinely at 35, yeah. you know, uh, or 28? Mm-hmm. These are unusual cancers, but they're tragic because they shorten the lives of people who otherwise would have lived a long time. Yes. So anyway, so he's just kind of raising the question is, you know, that screening might not save lives ultimately. And I did comment on this because mm-hmm. uh, I know that people ask about Peter Atia, and he's for a very aggressive screening. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, I think there is a counter-argument for that at the present time. There is, yeah. So that's something. I mean, he's... Until we develop those devices like Dr. Bones used to diagnose every conceivable disease, he would just hold it up to people's bodies and then figure out what was going right. on Right, Bones McCoy. Bones McCoy, right? In, <laughs> That's uh, where we're headed. In uh, yeah. you know, uh, Star Trek. I think there's something else also here uh, th- that we need to address that uh, people don't think about in over-screening or screening a lot. Of the implication or the message, the subtle message from the pharmaceutical or the medical device, the whole industry is be afraid of your body. Your body's going to betray you. Mm-hmm. Something like that yeah, exactly. is going to happen. That, that, it's no, it's exactly. not a matter of if, or, but it's a matter of when. So screen, screen, screen. Right. It's, a li- it's a little bit like the analogy I give is that it's like your body is like an out of control, you know, 747, yeah. you know, flying through, you know, at, at 30,000 feet, but if you're not careful, it can crash. Right. Uh, and I saw specifically one of those things is one of the ads for one of the new osteoporosis medications shows China dolls, fragile China dolls. Oh, my. And the idea is to consciously or subconsciously impart the idea to women that they are fragile China dolls. Yeah. And I've seen the effect of that is that some women who have been diagnosed with osteopenia, just a little bit of reduction in bone loss, they refrain from many activities. Yes. They will not do a lot of stuff because they they're afraid. They become afraid. They, they feel that they are a, 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 a vulnerable China doll exactly. about to shatter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's very sad when you think about it. Yeah. Or people who are told, 
you know, it could be something innocuous, like, I don't know if a heart murmur is innocuous, but we're, oh, my cardiologist said I have th this yeah, kind yeah. of whatever, yeah, now yeah. I'm afraid to go on the treadmill. Yeah. No, but your cardiologist also told you to go exercise. We, we, we call know? these people cardiac cripples. Yeah. They've been crippled with a diagnosis of one or another heart problems. And we yeah. know that for the most part, uh, exercise is an elixir for virtually all heart problems. After a heart attack, yes, uh, you know there's some limitations. Obviously, you don't mm -hmm. want to do a marathon if you have a you know serious it's physical therapy uh, life for your heart arrhythmia or something. But yeah. you do want exercise. So anyway, absolutely. Works. Okay, so uh, that's just one of my least favorite things. I'm going to weigh in with uh, actually next week. I'll give you a preview. Um, you, you're going to find it interesting to see how I position e-bikes mm -hmm. within the framework of my least favorite things <laughs> but uh i and not the way you might think is that yeah. uh at my age i like to ride a conventional bike without an assist mm -hmm. but the prospect that you know when i'm in my 80s and maybe i want to take a you know a tour in a mountainous area or something right and you don't and, feel like pedaling uphill yeah i mean i just saw so i was just up in uh in uh alberta canada in mm. this beautiful part of the world and they were, there was a bike tour there, and there were some relatively young people. And I said, I got to give you credit because I, I, I rode the, you know, the bus up this road, and it's very, very steep. And I saw mm. people pedaling away, and, and you guys are sitting here in the cafe having your breakfast with, the, you know, the shirts on, uh, you know, that you're a cyclist and you're wearing all your gear. And they said, we had e-bikes. <laughs> relatively young people, and they were very wow. fit yeah. because an e-bike doesn't. But in another context, I think e-bikes are the worst thing that has happened in New York City. So absolutely. they just absolutely destroy the quality of life, and they put people at risk of life and limb. They're going too fast, number yeah. one, in those bike lanes. You have to look all different directions. And they're heavy. They're heavy, and those lithium batteries, if it's a cheap one, and the fires that, that, that have been caused, that continue to be caused. And what really frightens me is they're going so fast, and they're not wearing helmets. Well, I'm, I'm not worried... Didn't much about them, mm. frankly, because they disobey every they traffic rule. They run They'll red stop lights. At the red light, they but go they on the sidewalk. And it's they a, go the wrong way on the yes. on, on one way streets. You know, I've seen some of them on the sidewalk too, which is yeah. really talk about. You know, you could knock over an elderly person, and that's and it have, for them. In my in my own neighborhood, there mm -hmm. two people, uh, two women, sixty nine, coincidentally the same age. Wow. One killed, one critically injured. Uh, both uh, of these uh, delivery people, presumably, or maybe they yeah. were, you know, people. Because they're on the e-bikes the e or they're on the, the motor, the mopeds or the Vespas or whatever the. They disappeared. The Revel yeah. bikes. So there's not even accountability. Yeah. And when you, it's one thing if you get, you know, break a limb when you're young. But when you have like a critical injury with traumatic brain injury when you're oh. a senior. Yeah. Your life is screwed. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's better off, you, you might be better off just getting it over with and just being killed instantly. Oh my it's goodness. Just, so I'm one of my <laughs> least favorite things. But yeah. there's, don't worry, there's, there's, there's more to it than that, folks. <laughs> <laughs> there, there will be a part two and maybe even a part three. Yeah. Uh, as you were saying on all of that. So you could read all about that uh, at the Intelligent Medicine newsletter. They say the hits keep on coming. Well, the misses yeah, keep on coming. Yeah. Good point which to pause because we want to allow one of our sponsors an opportunity to share an important message with you before we get to questions. So listen up. Here goes. 
If you're looking to maintain peak brain health, I'd like to introduce you to a cutting-edge new brain support formula from my friends at Thorne, Sinequel. If you're recovering from a head injury or play contact sports, you should pay special attention. Sinequel is formulated with the best research nutrients that support healthy brain structure and cognitive function. Sinequel's active ingredients help maintain cellular energy production, encourage a healthy balance of inflammatory cytokines, provide energy to fuel the nerves, support neurotransmitter production, and help protect against oxidative stress. It's available in two strengths, Sinequel for Everyday Maintenance and Sinequel Plus which provides higher amounts of certain nutrients for shorter-term post-impact support. For more information and to purchase Sinequel, just go to drhoffman.com thorn. There you'll also find some of my other favorite thorn products. That's drhoffman.com thorn for the essential nutritional brain support formula, Sinequel. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. They, of course, are what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you. And now, let's start with some questions. Okay, this is from Nicole. Dr. Hoffman. Oh, by the way, this, yes. I know, but this is from last week, carried This is from over. last week, and I said, no, we need to devote time to this. It's not a quick question. We're going to do a deep dive We're on gonna this We're going to do a deep dive on this one. subject. Yes. Go ahead. Dr. Hoffman, my son is turning nine in two weeks, and his armpits smell. Does this mean he will start puberty early? I was in total shock. My children are lactose intolerant, so he does not drink milk, and we eat organic meat, wild seafood, organic chicken, all antibiotic-free. He's extremely active and a healthy weight. If he's starting puberty, what can I do to slow it down? <laughs> what should I avoid to prevent this from happening to my seven-year-old daughter? Okay. Okay. So this is a very interesting issue. Is First of all, uh, does this betoken one of the earliest signs of puberty? Mm. And the answer is possibly, yeah. because we know that changes in sex hormones uh, create yeah. changes in what are called pheromones, which are yes. sexual attractants. And you know, they're, we're well acquainted with some of these amusing experiments where they uh, give uh, co-eds who are volunteers in the experiments uh, pieces of cloth that are immersed in the sweats of various male volunteers and they, you know, they uh -huh. decide on, you know, which is the one that is most attractive to them, and mm -hmm. you know, they they correlate that with physical characteristics of the men. Are they all, you know, six foot two, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, running backs or you know whatever, right? You know, right. So, uh, uh -huh. and this is part of our, you know, biological heritage mm -hmm. that these are present. So it could be a sign of that. Uh, it could also be a it actually uh, you know one of the pioneers uh, in uh, the field of uh, food allergy for uh, for children and why is her name escaping oh, me Doris Doris Rapp, Rapp yes yeah. said that this is actually one of the one of the early signs of food allergy in children ah huh. so that I mean she would say you know the the allergic shiners of the eyes yes. you know foul body smell the blah, salute blah, blah. the the hands yeah. with the no, the salute wiping the nose with wiping the, hand. the nose with palm the hand. of the hands yeah yeah in so an upward motion th thanks for that because mm -hmm. um, you know together Such we have a, a brain great book. Yeah. Uh, yeah so but mm -hmm. so that's a possibility too uh, you know it certain foods also can produce odors and this has actually been studied genetically some people have a difficulty breaking down choline Mm. Uh, so choline can give your body a fishy odor that might mm. emerge before puberty 
And so uh, there's a possibility that uh, that a lower reduction yeah. in choline. Yeah. Choline comes from eggs. It comes from soy, mm-hmm. uh, and it comes to some extent. I think some certain protein, other foods, liver, many other protein yeah. foods as well. So fish yeah. certainly. You know, yeah. Right. So I like the I mean, you might try that, you know, if this is a problem. But, you know, it's natural, so I wouldn't say necessarily it's, it's a problem. I mean, some people have a certain drink, causes them embarrassment, you know. They may also have hyperhidrosis, which is extra sweat, excess sweating. That's something that can occur. Right. Okay, so let's presume that this is a sign of early puberty. So what can cause early puberty? Well, it's actually, it seems to be uh, both biological and psychosocial. As we see children reaching puberty earlier, yeah. and one of the reasons is that they're, they simply have better nutrition, they, and they may have overnutrition. Overnutrition. And, you know, that kind of prompts, see, in colonial times, you know, we actually have the diaries of young girls, uh-huh. and they'll report that, oh, I had my first, you know, uh, menstruation yeah. at 18, you know, yeah. because they were nutritionally compromised, yeah. uh, they weren't eating as much, mm-hmm. and they... So, correspondingly, they were shorter. They may have had. Uh, actually, there's a concordance between uh, short stature and early menstruation in women. Yes. And certainly obesity mm-hmm. is something that accelerates that. Another factor is, as you know, Layla, um, these um, uh, um, what are called uh, xenoestrogens. Yes. Can you explain what those xenoestrogens are? The xenoestrogens, are? the estrogens found, in, uh, the toxins found in the environment that the body uh, interprets as a type of estrogen, or they get into, they latch on to our estrogen Re- receptors. receptors yeah. They mimic prob- estrogen. They mimic, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we sometimes call these gender benders. Yes. But, you know, they will yeah. change, and they they account for the higher incidence of certain hormonal cancers. True. Breast cancer, uterine cancer, prostate cancer. Right. All uh, these endocrine disruptors that have to do with plastics, that have to do with other uh, additives, preservatives, whether in the foods or or in the in the uh, the products that we use, whether it's personal grooming products or anything like that, or anything else in the environment as well, right. with regard to cleaning products or even I think some perfumes and stuff like that. You know those those air uh, air not air cleaners, but those Glade air fresheners, sure. Febreze, all of this stuff is toxic. Yeah, they have estrogenic effects. Right, right. right. So that, I mean, there actually have been some cases, I think in documented cases in Puerto Rico, where they were giving so many hormones to the uh, chickens that uh, young girls began to develop uh, secondary sex characteristic breasts, pubic hair, uh, at the age of five or six. Mm-hmm. Now, these are, uh, those are outlier situations. Yeah. I mean, I think there is some of that in our food supply. Yeah. But so one tip would be avoid these types of things. Yes. You know, like avoid these exposures. Um, so, you know. Uh, also, you know, maybe reduce caloric intake. But another point is, and there's been some speculation on this, there's a psychosocial impetus mm. to this early uh, puberty, which is that kids are sexualized at a much younger age. That's true. Uh, pornography is, is freely available, available to young kids. Um, that, you know, there's a whole kind of changing climate in regard to that. And uh, children may that be... That switch is getting flicked on much, much earlier. Yeah. Than it was. Yeah. So it's not for the So better. there's something to be said for that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's, it's tough with pa- for parents because you know how are you going to keep them down on the farm after they've seen gay pari? You know that whole yeah. thing is how do you how do you right. limit that kind of uh, exposure exposure? 
you know, very, very hard to do in our yeah. age of all the information of the world is right here yeah. in your hands yeah. via your smartphone yeah. or your tablet or I something think, like uh, that. I think exercise can be uh, a bit of a bulwark against that. Mm -hmm. uh, however, the way that young boys often exercise, I mean, in my day and age, uh, nobody went to the gym and lifted weights. No. You know, we ran around and we did sports, but nobody we played outside. But, but boys look in the mirror and they want to look, you know, awesome. Yeah. And they may be, uh, you know, doing the type of exercise that encourages more rapid onset of testosterone production. There's another thing culturally too. At least here, you know, in Europe, a little body stink is. <laughs> generally more tolerated. I tolerate as a have you accepted. Have you, have you ridden on the Paris Metro during rush <laughs> no, hour? I have. I have. You have. And there's two distinct smells. <laughs> One is of garlic. Oh, okay. And the other is of body odor. Okay. And that garlic can come through the pores too, not but, just But that was that was in the 1970s oh, and my I think the, they have more yeah. They have more access to hot water and soap than they did in 1970s Yeah. literally there were I remember there were public baths that people would go to. Yes. People did not have uh, enough uh, hot water, mm -hmm. and so they would actually pay like a few francs to go to, to go hot, bathe. To go bathe. Right, right. Here we're intolerant of the the messes that our bodies can make and the smells that emanate and all right, of this. Right. There's so many, so much bombardment. Oh, use this. You know, if you use this antiperspirant, it's going to block you. I mean, you're never going to sweat. And, it's gonna, and I, all I think is your armpits would be screaming at but you. But it destroys your it's, microbiome on exactly your skin. And that's maybe account for more skin problems, for more uh, skin dryness, eczema. Exactly. And, yeah. and it's a root of detoxification. You don't want to block that either. We have to approach this a little differently. We have to not mind so much that stink. There's another thing, and I just this is yeah. something that's mind blowing. I just listened to a podcast, happened to be on Peter Atia, where he mm -hmm. interviews a top uh, allergist, food allergy expert, and she said that the origin of food allergy, like how do you explain that somebody becomes allergic to peanuts and they yeah. never had a peanut? They never ate a peanut. They never ate a peanut. How does that? How do happen? they happen? She thinks, and there's a theory, and I've, I've a bunch of articles I've looked it up, mm -hmm. is that there can be skin exposure to these things. Huh. Even in the dust in the air. That's and why they don't have it on airplanes anymore, the peanut yeah, but, that they give out because of the dust. Part of it, mm -hmm. you don't even have to inhale it. Part of it is that our skin is so dry, we desiccate our skin with uh, deodorant soaps. Yes, uh, we, we very drying We reach the tight junctions in our skin, mm -hmm. and therefore tiny particles of food that may be in the air can go into the bloodstream through Leaky the skin. Leaky skin. Leaky skin. And... That's unnatural because it's, wow. it's more natural to get exposure to these things via the GI tract. The yes. GI tract goes, hey, you know, it's a food, okay, you know, mm -hmm. no biggie. Because we, you know, think if you take like food and inject it under your skin, like let's say, you know, you had a pizza and you said, well, I ate a pizza, okay, fine. Yeah. Then you take a syringe and you fill it with pizza and you inject it under your skin, you're going to have a profound, yeah, uh, reaction yeah. to that. So this is one theory about how do you acquire food allergies without even exposure to that. Very because I've seen I mean I've seen Jews who are Orthodox who are allergic to pork. Mm -hmm. in, in the day when, when I was I said, how is it that I'm allergic to pork? Well wow. you know, it's around. Mm -hmm. That's really something. Yeah. Or wow. Okay.
Interesting theory. Okay, it is very, very interesting. Yeah, Nicole, you know, talk to your son about a little more hygiene, maybe. I, it's not even, it's I not, don't know. she's just worried it is important that the child is going to have early puberty. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know. Um, You're feeding your children really, really well, according to your emails. So, mm -hmm. I mean, how far can, how much can we control uh, overnutrition, like you said? Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe watching what else they're eating outside of the home. I mean, a nine-year-old isn't going to just eat everything at home. They're going to be right. out with friends or doing whatever. This is a common theme among parents you know. is that when they see their kids growing up, they go, oh my goodness, I wish I could put you back in the shrink machine uh -huh. and shrink you down to when you were cute. Right. You know, they, or go from three years old right away to 19 and skip all that middle part. Right. I've heard parents say that. Yeah. Let's go right to 19, please. Exactly. You know? Fast forward. Right. Because... Yeah, you might be in for some tough sailing the next few years. <laughs> right. okay. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for that very thoughtful question, Nicole. Good point at which wow. to pause because we divide our podcast into two parts. Remember that you can send questions to questions to drhoffman.net. And indeed, that was a thought-provoking question that I think we covered from a lot of different angles. Mm -hmm. So thanks for that uh, question. And, and you know, it, it may seem like, you know, there is no such thing as a silly question. No. Because uh, there is always... No. Uh, important science that and themes that we can discuss around these questions. Yes, yes. So thanks for that, Nicole. All right. Uh, when we return, give us a preview of what we're going to tackle in part two. The toxic nutri nutrient triad, calcium, iron, and copper. Mm. Should these not be taken anymore as supplements? Okay, interesting question. And that relates to an article which we'll talk about in part two. I'm Dr. Mm -hmm. Ron Hoffman, today with Layla Mutin, because it's our weekly Q&A with Layla. And we'll be right back with more. Stay with us. <laughs>